May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. 
The lectionary epistle readings for the next few weeks follow through the letter of James, and I really like James. I know Martin Luther disagrees with me on this one. He thought it was too heavy on works and not heavy enough on grace, but I uh, disagree with that sentiment. James reminds us to stop and to take a look at what we are reflecting into the world as a gauge for the work that's being done in our hearts. So it's not that our actions are what save us, but rather they are the evidence of our salvation. And as I've been reflecting on the book of James this week, and especially on this passage this morning, there is a song that has been stuck in my head. I was going to play it for you all this morning, and then I realized it's like really, really long. So I'm just going to quote a few lines of it for you. Um, This song says, I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. And no message could have been any clearer. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and then make a change. You're welcome, everyone. It is now stuck in your heads for the foreseeable future as well. James is asking us to take a look in the mirror. It's not that the mirror changes who we are but it reflects the work on the inside. And we can't possibly change or fix or redeem anything in the world unless we start with the person who is staring back at us when we look in the mirror. In today's passage, and indeed in all of James, the author is encouraging us to start on the inside out. There's only so much we can do to change our outside behavior if something doesn't change on the inside first. But one of those things that James teaches us to change on the inside, or one of the ways he teaches us to change on the inside, is to just slow down and think about what you're getting ready to say or do. Especially say. You have to wonder who has said what to James in the course of his life, that he is so concerned about what we're saying. He very much understands the power of the spoken word. Being slow to speak makes us really think about why the things we're saying are coming out of our mouths. It forces us to examine our motives before we spurt out words. As Bernard Meltzer is credited as having said, before you speak, ask yourself if what you are going to say is true, is kind, is necessary, is helpful. If the answer is no, Maybe what you are about to say should be left unsaid. I would extend this advice to online words as well, which were not an issue in the time of James. But not only does slowing down and being careful with our words force us to examine our hearts, it gives us more room for action, more motivation to act. We spend less time judging and yelling and getting upset and more time really working to see the kingdom of God revealed. Our words become a tool for God rather than a liability to those around us. Now, it sounds ridiculous that someone would, as James proposes, look in a mirror and forget what they look like, but we do that all the time. We go to church, we hear the scripture, we notice, ooh, I'm not doing that, or ugh, I totally did that this week. And then we go home and forget about that revelation and just keep on keeping on in our old patterns. And this is especially true 
of the way that we speak. Anyone who has ever tried to lose or change their accent knows this to be very true. But we don't just forget about the wrong that we see in ourselves when we look in the mirror. Sometimes we turn around and forget the good that we have seen in the mirror. We have these moments of elation, like when the bike blessing is a big hit, or 20 people show up for midweek Bible study, and then we slide right back into thinking, we're too old, we're too small, or nobody cares what the church is doing anymore anyway. And sometimes in that forgetfulness, all we can see is the wrong in the world, and we get angry about it. And when we're angry, it usually comes out in words. Sometimes in that helpless forgetfulness, we take out our fear and anger on others. My family is away for the weekend, so I have lots of quiet time to just watch movies and, and knit and do things like that. And last night I rewatched the movie Hotel Rwanda. If you have not seen it, I do recommend it. And I, I haven't seen it for a number of years, not since it was new. And I was in tears for most of it this time around. I didn't remember it being quite that emotional last time. But it's still a poignant movie, even um, several years after it's come out, because what happened in Rwanda in the mid-90s happens time and time again around the world. It is always a relevant message. It happened in Germany in the 1940s, in Ukraine in the 30s, in Cambodia in the 70s, in the Middle East, and take your pick of any decade from the dawn of time through today. And it's heartbreaking to think about how people are led to treat one another, often led there by words. In Germany, it was posters and speeches making horrible false claims against the Jewish people. In Rwanda, it was angry radio inciting violence against the Tutsis. And in the movie, Hotel Rwanda, in stark contrast to the anger and violence, is the apathy of the Western world to what is happening to the people there. As a million people were being slaughtered for their ethnic background. People are dying in this movie and in when this actually occurred, not only because of the violence that was incited by angry and untrue words, but because of empty words from others who saw what was happening and chose to ignore it. The manager of the hotel, desperately trying to save the people hiding within, is talking to an American reporter about midway through the movie, and he tells the reporter that he hopes the footage they have shot will air so that people will see what's happening and will do something to save them. And the reporter says he doesn't think it'll matter. He says, I think if people see this footage, they'll say, oh my God, that's horrible, and then they'll go on eating their dinners. We need words, but we must treat them with the utmost respect. And we must realize that if they don't match up with our actions, they don't mean anything. If what we see in the mirror is inconsistent with what is coming out of our mouths, our words are worthless. People say that actions speak louder than words, but I don't think that's quite it. It's not that our actions speak louder than words, it's that actions prove our words to be true and good and of God or to be worthless chatter. Actions are what either amplify or muffle our words. It is that combination of action and words together that speaks loudly. 
when we see the places in our heart that need growth and change and balance, that with the power of what we are called to and chosen for as God's children, we're able to back up our words about freedom and gospel with action. When we see our chosenness, we are also able to see the chosenness of others and to act accordingly. See the humanity, see the chosenness of the people around you. That means watch what you say to them and have a little grace when they say things that aren't very nice. Sometimes that's the hard part, right? Giving grace to people when they don't slow their speech down. But that's just as important as slowing our own selves down. Seeing the humanity of the people around us also means not saying, oh my God, that's terrible, and then going back to finish our dinners. It means getting up from the table and caring for the powerless. To quote that song again, I've been a victim of a selfish kind of love. It's time that I realize that there are some with no home, not a nickel to loan. Could it be really me pretending that they're not alone? A willow deeply scarred, someone's broken heart and a washed out dream. They follow the pattern of the wind, you see, because they got no place to be. That's why I'm starting with me. As we enter into the fresh new season of fall with its promises of new school years and new activities and cool mornings and pumpkin spice everything, let's do so with a fresh look at our own words and how they match up with our actions. Because as James says, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Friends, I believe that our witnessing God at work time together this morning bore witness to that very piece of this scripture passage this morning, that it is through the kindness and the actions of those around us that God is revealed and that our faith is proven to be powerful. Amen.